Hello, neighbors. Recently, my mother handed me a book that she thought I would enjoy reading. I turned to the cover, World of Wonders by Amy Nezakumatatil. To my delight, I found inside a collection of illustrated essays that weave together Amy's life lessons of identity and belonging drawn from time spent with nature. From the first of the 30 essays, you find yourself drawn in by the beautiful imagery Amy uses to describe her joy and amazement of the wondrous world around us. This book compels us to celebrate diversity, to pay attention to the environmental issues plaguing our world, and to spend more time reflecting in nature. I reached out to Milkweed Editions, and they granted me permission to read the final essay, Firefly Redux. The essay resonated with me because fireflies are nostalgic to my childhood, as I'm sure it is to many of you. I grew up with the wonder of seeing firefly light shows in my backyard, and now they're barely there. While the rest of this book is in praise of narwhals, corpse flowers, ribbon eels, red-spotted newts, and more, this essay really brings it all together. It brings it home and reminds me of the importance of why we, me and you, are here today to cherish and enjoy this beautiful planet we call home. Amy is the author of this New York Times best-selling illustrated collection of nature essays and Kirkus Prize finalist, World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments, which was chosen as Barnes & Noble's Book of the Year. She has four previous poetry collections, Oceanic, Lucky Fish, At the Drive-In Volcano, and Miracle Fruit, the last three from Tupelo Press. Her most recent chapbook is Lace and Pyrite, a collaboration of epistolary garden poems with the poet Ross Gay. Her writing appears twice in the Best American Poetry series, the New York Times Magazine, ESPN, Plowshares, American Poetry Review, and Tin House. She is a professor of English and Creative Writing at the University of Mississippi's MFA program. If you would like to purchase World of Wonders, which I absolutely encourage you to do, please visit the link in the episode description, milkweed.org forward slash book forward slash world dash of dash wonders. So grab a spot on a nice patch of grass or take a walk and enjoy as I read Firefly Redux by Amy Nezakumatatil, Photinus Pyralis. It is the final week of our stay at the Grisham House, a 10-month residency during the academic year on 77 acres just outside of Oxford, Mississippi. It is highly possible my family will never have this much land all to ourselves ever again so most of our time is spent outdoors. One of the many reasons my husband and I wanted to stay in this area after the residency was because we could spend more time outdoors in this beautiful town, this velvet ditch as the locals lovingly refer to it, in the green and verdant northern part of the state. One of the biggest treats during this final week at the estate is the abundance of fireflies. With the lights to the estate completely turned off, at first we see nothing. But patience is rewarded when a majestic illumination dots the already humid May air. This past year, under so much wide open sky and not having to worry about oncoming cars, my sons could fully see the stars without much light pollution for the first time in their young lives. They could pick out constellations readily because when I lived in Arizona, their grandfather showed me how to do the same. 
They could identify the Milky Way, the stream of stars, as it poured itself over the estate and marvel. They don't want to go indoors, ever. They want to stargaze long past their bedtime. My youngest throws his arms around my waist to beg, please, and when I say yes, they squeal with delight, plunge into the darkness, and race down the driveway into the field lit only by fireflies. How could I possibly tell them no? It is this way with wonder. It takes a bit of patience, and it takes putting yourself in the right place at the right time. It requires that we be curious enough to forego our small distractions in order to find the world. When I teach National Poetry Month visits in elementary schools, I sometimes talk about fireflies to conjure up memory and sensory details of the outdoors. Recently, however, 17 students in a class of 22 told me that they had never seen a firefly. They thought I was kidding, simply inventing an insect. So I asked them what they did for fun in that crepuscular pink time just before dinner. When I was growing up, I played kickball, tag, riding bikes, anything really, until my parents flicked on the porch light. But the students' most common answer, video games and movies. In other words, they were always indoors, and usually in front of a screen. 2019 was a banner year for fireflies for much of the Midwest and East Coast. The perfect amount of spring wetness combined with a not-too-severe winter to produce a dazzling display during peak firefly season, mid-June through mid-July. But make no mistake, scientists insist that while a high count of beetles can occur in an outlier year, the overall population of over 2,000 varieties continues to decrease due to lawn pesticides and light pollution. Because of, and in spite of, this decline in population, artists all over the world seem to be intent capturing the beauty of these bugs, perhaps as a future reminder of what we once had in abundance. One of my favorite instances of this tribute is from photographer Suniki Hiramatsu, who shot photos in eight-second exposures of a field where fireflies congregated one summer. He digitally overlapped some of these photos and the result could easily be mistaken for the night sky on an island in northern Greece or southern India. In Hiramatsu's work, the heavens and earth are lush, luminescent sisters. It was indeed a sad day when I had to bring up a video online to prove that fireflies do indeed exist and to show what a field of them looks like at night. 17 students of 22 had never seen a firefly, never even heard of them, never caught one to slide into an empty jam jar, never had one glow in their sweaty hands. This is in a suburban town where fireflies regularly crowd the edges of less frequented roads. And it's not just these children. The number of my students who can tell the difference between, say, a maple leaf and an oak leaf has dwindled in my college-level environmental writing classes, too. This shared decrease in knowledge about the outdoors can't be a coincidence. What is lost when you grow up not knowing the names for different varieties of fireflies? When you don't have these words ready to pop on your tongue? Shadow Ghost, Sidewinder, The Florida Sprite, Mr. Mac, Little Gray, Murky Flash Train, The Texas Tinies, The Single Snappy, The Treetop Flashers, A July Comet, the Tropic Traveler, Christmas Lights, 
a slow blue, a tiny Lucy, the mischievous marsh imp, the sneaky elves, and in tie for my personal favorite, the heebie-jeebies and the wiggle dancer. All of these names, silent, with still thousands and thousands more small silences following as fireflies hatch, wiggle through their larval stage, pupate, crack out of their shell, and then, winged, decide not to flash their chartreuse light. Scientists still don't know how, when, or why fireflies decide to stay visually silent. And even though a field of tall grass might be teeming with fireflies, the space and time between flashes has grown longer over the years. There are still wren songs to marvel over, I still need to learn the names of the native insects that will be discovered in the next year alone, and the next after that, and the next. Where does one start to take care of these living things amid the dire and daily news of climate change and reports of another animal or plant vanishing from the planet? How can one even imagine us getting back to a place where we know the names of the trees we walk by every single day? A place where a bird navigating a dewy meadow is transformed into something more specific. Something we can hold on to by feeling its name on our tongues. Brown Thrasher. Or that big tree, Catalpa. Maybe what we can do when we feel overwhelmed is to start small. Start with what we have loved as kids and see where that leads. For me, what a single firefly can do is this. It can light a memory I thought was long lost in roadsides overrun with Queen Anne's lace and goldenrod, a peach pie cooling in the window of a distant house. It might make me feel like I'm traveling again to a gathering of loved ones dining seaside on a Greek island, listening to a cicada song and a light wind rustling the mimosa trees. A single firefly might be the spark that sends us back to our grandmother's backyard to listen for whippoorwills, the spark that sends us back to splashing in an ice-cold creek bed with our jeans rolled up to our knees until we shudder and gasp, our toes fully wrinkled. In that spark is a slowdown and tenderness. Listen. Boom. Can you hear that? The cassowary is still trying to tell us something. Boom. Did you see that? A single firefly is too. Such a tiny light for a considerable task. Its luminescence could very well be the spark that reminds us to make the most necessary turn. A shift and a swing and a switch toward cherishing this magnificent and wondrous planet. Boom. Boom. You might think of a heartbeat. Your own. A child's. Someone else's. Or something's heart. And in that slowdown, you might think it's a kind of love, and you'd be right. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Tune into regular episodes every Tuesday and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Believe.com, LenaSanford.com, or connect on Instagram at Hometown Earth. We all know change needs to happen, so let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.